We turn now to God's Word. We are continuing in a series on Advent where we are learning about each of those names that was prophesied over Jesus that said, hey, when the King comes, this is what He's going to be like. Last week we looked at how He was a wonderful counselor. And today we're looking at how Jesus is Almighty God. Mighty, strong, powerful, nothing that He can't do. God in the flesh. Uh, coming from, of course, that reading that Pat gave us from Isaiah. So this morning we're going to look at Jeremiah chapter 32, this story of when Jeremiah was commanded to buy a field that, uh, that he wasn't so sure about. So let's, let's read and, and hear what God has to say to us, to his people. We're actually going to, I'll read a few verses uh, before, if, um, I want to start actually at verse 6. That gives us more of the context of the story. Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me. Hanamel, son of Shalem, your uncle, is going to come to you and say, buy my field at Anathoth, because as nearest relative, it is your right and duty to buy it. Then, just as the Lord had said, my cousin Hanamel came to me in the courtyard of the guard and said, buy my field at Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin. Since it is your right to redeem it and possess it, buy it for yourself. I knew that this was the word of the Lord. So I bought the field at Anathoth from my cousin Hanamel and weighed out for him 17 shekels of silver. I signed and sealed the deed, had it witnessed, and weighed out the silver on the scales. I took the deed of purchase, the sealed copy containing the terms and conditions, as well as the unsealed copy, and I gave this deed to Baruch, son of Neriah, the son of Masiah, in the presence of my cousin Hanimal and of the witnesses who had signed the deed and of the Jews sitting in the courtyard of the guard. In their presence, I gave Baruch these instructions. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Take these documents, both the sealed and unsealed copies of the deed of purchase, and put them in a clay jar so they will last a long time. For this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Houses fields, and vineyards will again be bought in this land. After I had given the deed of purchase to Baruch, son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You show love to thousands, but bring the punishment for the father's sins into the laps of their children after them. O great and powerful God, whose name is the Lord Almighty, great are your purposes and mighty are your deeds. Your eyes are open to all the ways of men. You reward everyone according to his conduct and as his deeds deserve. You performed miraculous signs and wonders in Egypt and have continued them to this day, both in Israel and among all mankind, and have gained the renown that is still yours." You brought your people Israel out of Egypt with signs and wonders, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and with great terror. You gave them this land you had sworn to give their forefathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. So I was 
reflecting on this idea of Jesus being the mighty God, Jesus being almighty God, come in the flesh with all of his power and might. And I was thinking about where have I seen God's power at work? Where have I seen the power of Jesus active, you know, in the world around me? And it's very, it's very specific, it's very real, it's very tangible you know, to our lives on a daily basis. I want to just tell you about a couple things that I saw this week that I said, that's the power of Jesus working. Without, without him, none of this happens. Um, the first is that my brother Brent Osborne, who's here this morning, that's, that's a miracle you know, in uh, many ways, uh, when Brent had his surgery last week, his heart stopped for a couple of minutes. And I, I asked him if he saw anything on the other side that he could give back to us, and we could write a best-selling book together. But no, it, did, it wasn't one of those. But very seriously, uh, God brought him back. God has more for him in store. Jesus' power was at work in his body, in his life, to bring him through that. Jesus brings life, the power of Jesus to bring life. The second, the second was um, that another one of our sisters, uh, Brenda Cole, you know, she had surgery this week. And she was really nervous the night, uh, the night before and uh, when she was in the hospital. And so the chaplain there sent in a harpist. So this woman comes in with a beautiful harp to play her music. And she realized when she came in that this was the same woman who played the harp for her mother the night that she died, 13 years ago. And that she, when she came in, you know, this week, she came in and she played Amazing Grace for Brenda, which was another song that they had played at her mother's, at her mother's funeral. And that just gave her such comfort and peace, knowing that Jesus was with her, that his power was at work, and that he was connecting these dots and say, wow, the same person, the same harpist was, was there. On Wednesday night, I was fretting about a couple in church who's going through a difficult time, and I, work, I woke up at 1.40 in the morning, heavy, and my mind was consumed with this situation, with this issue, and I felt led to entrust them to the Lord and pray for them and to know that God's power is at work. And I fell asleep again, and when I woke up at 5.30 or 6, I realized that I had had a dream and that I saw a picture of our entire church building and God's hands were here and God was carrying it. It was almost like a visual dream reminder of he's got the whole world in his hands. That's what I saw in my dream. I saw the mighty hands of God, the mighty hands of Jesus, holding up our whole building. And I felt like that was to symbolize every person that's in here, that he was taking care of us, that he had us, that his power was at work in our lives. And that gave me peace, not just about that situation, but about where God is taking our church and that he's got everything taken care of. His power is at work. When we look at God's word, when we study a passage like Jeremiah, when we think about the promise that Jesus is our wonderful God, we realize that it's not dependent on us. It's not the strength of our faith. It's the object of our faith. What are we trusting in? Who are we trusting in? 
and that the object of our faith is Jesus, our wonderful counselor, our mighty God. Because our faith can be up and down. Our faith can wax and wane, but the object of our faith is the same, the Lord. He's the one we worship. He's the one we look to. And as this verse tells us, nothing is too hard for the Lord. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Verse 17, nothing is too hard for the Lord. So Jeremiah is wondering what he's supposed to do. He's wondering, is God mighty enough? Is God strong enough? He's saying, God, why are you asking me to do this? Real estate's down. This is a bad investment. This is not smart according to how the world works. Verse 24 and 25, which I I didn't read, I'll read for you now. It says, see how the siege ramps are built up to take the city. The city that I just bought my real estate in is about to be ransacked and destroyed. This is like that real estate agent who tells you, I've got some swampland in Florida for you. It's not a good investment. It's not wise according to how the world works. And yet, the word of the Lord came to him. God told him to do this. The sword, the famine, and the plague, and plague, the city will be handed over to the Babylonians who are attacking it. What you see has happened as you now see. And though the city will be handed over to the Babylonians, you, O sovereign Lord, say to me, buy the field with silver and have the transaction witnessed. Jeremiah is asking God, why are you telling me to do this? It doesn't make sense. The Babylonians are going to destroy this city and they're going to destroy the land that I'm buying. And it doesn't seem to make sense. In, in our sort of you know, reformed tradition and in our history, we like to be seen as wise and prudent, and making sound decisions. We love verses like 1 Corinthians 14.40. Everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. I know people, that's their life verse. You know, I like John 3.16, but some people, that's, that's their favorite. And so sometimes it's so difficult for us to put ourselves out there. To take, you know, maybe not even a leap of faith, but to take a step of faith to say, you know what? Spending time with this person doesn't seem to make sense, but I know God is telling me to do it. Investing in this ministry doesn't seem to make sense, but God is telling me to do it, and I'm going to do it. And stepping out in faith, knowing that God is mighty, knowing that God is powerful, when we step out, it's never wasted. Because God always has a plan for us in that. Even if we can't see it right then, even if we can't see it six months later, God always has a plan for us. And it helps us to be stretched and us to grow in our faith. So Jeremiah is, is saying, God, why? <laughs> you know, why should I do this? And yet, he knows nothing's too hard for the Lord. And that refrain keeps coming back again and again. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. His arm is strong. His arm is powerful. There's nothing that he can't do. 
And I love that even, you know, God says it back to him in verse 26. He's like, yeah, you're right. Nothing is too hard for me. (laughs) Nothing is too hard for the Lord. But those questions that Jeremiah has, we have them too. We wrestle with them also. We wonder, are we hearing God right? Is God strong enough for my situation? Did God really say that? Does God really want me to do that? And that's, that's just an echo of Genesis 3, verse 1. You know, the serpent comes to Adam and Eve. Did God really say to put that doubt in their mind, to put that question in their mind? That takes us down some really bad paths where we're not taking God at his word. It's this idea, this thing that we really wrestle with all the time. Can God be trusted? Is he strong enough? Is he almighty God? Going to New York City to plant a church, I ask that so many times. God, are you sure that we're supposed to go there? I look back nine years later, and I realize God's plan. He gave me a glimpse of it. Anytime we're out of our comfort zone, we're going to have those doubts. Seven years ago to, you know, this week, we were walking home from a holiday party and Lily was hit by a car. And it was terrible. And I was angry at God. I realized, God, I'm doing all this for you. Look at all that we've sacrificed. Look at everything that we're doing for you, God. And you can't even keep her safe. You can't even keep her out of the hospital. And yet, I don't ask that question anymore because I know it was God's plan for our lives. I know that God was moving. I know that God's timing is always perfect. I know that God used that experience to prepare us for what he was calling us into next. And like Bond shared a couple weeks ago, I'm home. I'm home. This is it. This is where God called us to be. And we get a front row seat to watch God's power move in our lives, in our brothers' and sisters' lives here at this church, and then in this community and in this city. We can see that what God's word says is true, that Jesus is Almighty God. And that That nothing is too hard for him. Nothing is too hard for him. Say it with me. Nothing is too hard for him. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. So God's always going to be enough. His strength is always going to be enough to overcome anything that, that we go through. What did Jeremiah do when he had those questions? When he was struggling and when he was doubting? He he retold the story of God's mighty power. He remembered it. He he talked about creation in verse 17, what God did. He talked about redemption from Egypt in verses 21 and 22. He talked about the giving of the promised land to Israel. You gave them this land. You swore to give to their forefathers. God is a promise. God keeps his promises. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jeremiah is remembering that. I'm doubting. Am I really supposed to do this? Am I really supposed to buy this field? 
Well, I don't know, but God's been faithful. God's been faithful not just to me, but God's been faithful to my ancestors. God's been faithful in creating the world. God's been faithful in redeeming us from slavery. God's been faithful in giving us the promised land. And then we could add two more. When we tell this story, we, we have a couple more chapters because we say God is faithful in sending us Jesus. Galatians 4 says, But when the time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. Aren't you glad we live in the time of Jesus and that he's part of our story? And that we're living in this age of the Holy Spirit where the Spirit opens our eyes to see Jesus clearly, to see the Messiah, to see that he truly is mighty God. So then the question becomes, when have you remembered God's faithfulness? When have you told that story? When have you thought about all that he has done for you in creating you? Redeeming you in Jesus? Do you guys remember back at Easter when uh, James and Diane and Angie came up here and shared their testimonies? Shared what God had done in their life? Shared how his power had rescued them and delivered them? It was so powerful. It was a sign of Almighty God moving in our midst. And doing what only he can do. Whatever we're going through, it's only an opportunity for God to move in power. For him to show himself strong. And, you know, rehearsing God's faithfulness and remembering all the things that he's done, just like Jeremiah did, it's not just an exercise. It's not just a spiritual discipline. It's not just something to do when you're feeling discouraged. It's a way of life. It's a way of life to practice gratitude, to practice thankfulness, not to the universe, not to some, somebody who might be out there, but to Jesus. To say specifically, Jesus, thank you for your power at work in my life because I'd never believe in you if you didn't open my eyes. Jesus, thank you for delivering me through this chapter. Jesus, thank you for giving me back my health. It's a way of life. One of the things we've been doing in the huddles is listing a thousand things that we're thankful for. And that's just a way of looking back on your life and seeing how God's power has been at work in your life. How Jesus is the Almighty King. That's a way, that's a way of life because it's the gospel way of life. And it, it, it says, you know, on a daily basis, look at how much he loves us. Look at all that he's done for us. Not only did he create us, but he redeemed us. Not only did he come at Christmas, but he gave his life on Good Friday. He laid it down so that we didn't have to be sent to hell. <laughs> We didn't have to live in isolation. We didn't have to be separate from God. But we could have a relationship with Him. We could live our lives for His glory and for His honor. When we do what Jeremiah did, we recite God's power. 
Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. He knows. He knows you. He knows what you're going through. He knows me. He knows what I'm going through. His purposes cannot be stopped. That's how strong and powerful and mighty that he is. And nothing is too hard for him. The almighty king, the strong right hand of God, our rescuer and our redeemer. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your gospel and your word. It humbles us because we think about our own weakness and we see that you are strong. We see that it's that the amount of faith we have this morning isn't even the most important thing. It's the object of our faith. It's you. It's looking to you for your power and your strength and your might. I pray for each person here, Lord, for all my brothers and sisters, for those that are seeking and asking questions, for those that are wondering, why would God do this? Is God really bringing me to himself? That all of us could look to you and see that it's your strength, that it's your power that can't be stopped, that you, Jesus, have come at Christmas to be our almighty God. We thank you for all of your promises. We thank you for your power that's at work in us. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.